I don't even know what today is. Today is Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? It is Wednesday. And it's the 12th. This is WBOK 1230 AM. I am Dr. Adrian. I'm Dr. Maria. We are NOLA Ed Education for Liberacion. And I'm happy to be here. Struggling to be here. But I'm happy to be here nonetheless. Wednesday. August 12th. Actually, I know exactly what today is. I've been blocking it out, but I'm happy to be here. Blocking out? Yes. Today is my dad's birthday. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm uh, sorry. It's been a tough day for a sister. Um, But, you know. You got to be like me. I made everybody on my mom's birthday after she passed, which was, you know, earlier this month. I made them celebrate a belated aunt. Her birthday was earlier this month. She didn't pass earlier. This yeah, month. yeah. Her birthday was earlier this month. She passed, um, like, what, like two years ago now? Was it two years ago? It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't. It feel like. I mean, you know, it just feels like it just happened. And yeah. But anyway, so for her birthday, I made everybody celebrate a belated aunt's day. Oh. And I what made is them that? buy. I never heard of that before. Aunt's day is actually a day to celebrate aunts. It's like Mother's Day. Mm. And I'm an aunt. Um, so I made everybody get me a cake. Camila got really, my grandniece got really into it. So she was very focused on like what kind of cake to give me. She gave me one of her stuffed animals that she taped her favorite turtle to. What? Her, she's super into turtles. It was not an, a live turtle. It was like a little turtle she got from the French Quarter. Like okay. one of the little, uh, you know, little statue ones. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, you know, so we had hoped that um, we would be um, able to, so we still have not been able to lay him to rest, as they say, Um, and it's just been hard. You know, I've never been one for rituals, um, like life rituals like that, and... um, so yeah, it's been a little, uh, it's been a little hard, and we thought we would be able to do uh, it this month on his birthday. That was the goal, and we have not been able to do that because um, he, Daddy, was a Marine. He was an officer in the Marine Corps, and uh, we, he wanted a um, military funeral, which he deserves. He earns. He served his time in. Vietnam, and we weren't able to, uh, they're still not scheduling um, military um, services, so um, so we weren't able to do what we wanted to do, and, um, you know, so there it is. So we're going to remember him as we, you know, do every day, but we will do something special um, today for his birthday, so, which means eat cake. Exactly. Get a really good cake. Yes. Live up on the edge. You yes. Know? Yes. So that's what we're going to do. Get some cake. Go eat. And go eat. Or get some cake. <laughs> you can't go eat. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll we'll do what we do. And that's it. We're also in the midst of a pandemic, of course. As and we, an election cycle. And an election cycle. So the pandemic really exciting is, information. Well, wait. So the pandemic is getting super political. Well, it, hasn't it always been? A, oh, I guess. Hey, Lauren. We have our our um, folks who listen to us on t- on the Twitters. Nice. Hey, Twitter folks. Mm-hmm. 
I don't like this angle, but I'm just going to take it. I'm, I'm going to just deal, work with the angles that I got Sometimes going. you just got to accept that there's an angle and it's what's happening. And you At just got to move moment. on. With, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I still haven't figured out how to put back together. Are you to, on Facebook now? No, you're using the thing. Oh, you need this one? That's how I've been holding it up. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know. There, there's. Oh, I didn't know what you were using. Girl, keep it on the Twitters. You keep using it. Well, we have people on Facebook who are looking for us on Facebook. One being um, Elaine Richardson. Oh, Dr. really? Richardson. Ms. Dr. Richardson's going to be listening yes, today? Yes, I told her to join us on the Facebook Aww. live. All right, all right, all right. I'll make it That's go Maria live. not doing what she's supposed to be doing. You know what? Um, I will not. I am not afraid to admit I have a little bit of a case of the blahs. I do, too. I Actually, it's been... Not a little bit of a case, but I'm happy to be here. All right, pass me the thing. I could, you know, we got a lot going on here. On, Emotionally. On NOLA Ed Education Spiritually. We have a lot going on. Um, we frequently have a lot going on. But I will, you know what, I'm making the promise now since it is, I did break the stand. The stand is, I will acknowledge that the stand is broken. So I will replace that which has been destroyed by yes, my actions because i wondered why you had my the stand that i always use as if see the truth always comes out because no you don't always use well you haven't used it the I last have. two the last Ma'am. two weeks yes i have i used it last week no last week you used your laptop like you got no that. i didn't yes you did i didn't i never do instagram from here because instagram is not an ipad app boom it's, I use it on well, my Well, then I use someone else's stand that I just found laying in the studio, which also is on brand. It is on brand. <laughs> oh, my I God. Mean, Hashtag youngest sibling. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are having a moment. So, Honestly, exciting things. So not my strong suit. <laughs> we have agreed. It doesn't matter if we... I mean, it does matter if you and I agree, but um, we have dedicated this We have challenged... Seasoned. We have challenged. Why did I say that? We have dedicated this season. We have seasons? Yeah, this election season. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we just be in here every day. I mean, every Wednesday. No, we don't. We're only here Wednesdays. We're just in here on Wednesday doing what we do. So we interview candidates for various offices, and we've started with the Orleans Parish School Board. Mm Mm-hmm. And is this our, th- will this be our third week of interviewing people? No, this is going to be our third week our of interviewing. third week. Yeah. Um, I thought we did some really awesome interviews at the beginning. Last week was also good. It was. Yeah. And remember, uh, as you go to the to the poll box. <laughs> <laughs> the poll box. Um, that's a thing people say. As you go to the poll box, remember, the politeness vote counts because you want an elected official who takes local media Seriously. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote for somebody who doesn't come on our show, but I am saying that you should think about whether or not you want somebody who's actively courting the ears of New Orleans residents that listen to local radio. And why is that important? Say say more about why that's important. Um, that's important because, as you guys know, I feel very strongly that certain um, certain polling regions, certain elected official regions, I don't remember the term for it, but there's a specific word for it um, on the Hill, 
um, certain races become platforms that you can launch a national career from. And one of the giveaways that that's something that somebody's thinking about doing is that they'll spend a lot more time trying to get on CNN or trying to write think pieces for the New York Times than trying to engage with local media. So they're ignoring the local. They're ignoring the local thing because their goal is making state and then from state going national. So it's often a a platform to right. so, and and so there's a neglect of the local. There's a neglect, and they're more focused on their own political career than, than on, serving the people. Exactly. So exactly. Um, we hope that y'all, you know, and we this will this this these episodes will make it on the podcast eventually. I just have to post them. Just and email them to me, and I'll put them on the the thing about. Oh yeah, um, but we do want folks to call in. Um, at 504-582-9422. We are going to be talking to Ethan Ashley today. He is the president. Uh, I, I didn't tell Jess. <laughs> Jess like, I'm sorry, Jess. It's on me. It's on me, bro. What do we didn't tell Jess? I I didn't I didn't tell him what time, so that's my fault. Oh, um, this is live, y'all. It so is live is radio. Like, there's this a, like an energy. There's a fizziness. There's yes. there's a a sparkle. In the air that is happening because this is live, like you're hearing and listening to this all happening. In Did real you ever time. go watch broadcast news? I didn't, but I really should because you need to. It's all of my references are that are that movie. It's a movie. I thought it was a TV show. No, there there is a television show that is completely unrelated. Oh, okay. To the movie broadcast news. All right, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. You need to watch it. Okay, I see that we've lost three viewers already. So y'all need to get your internet connections back together because. Elections are important. They are. They are important. Elaine is watching us. Elaine Richardson, I just want to tell you that Maria waited to turn on Facebook Live until I told her that you were looking for us. And then she went to Facebook Live. That's true. I did. And she only did because I shamed her. And, yeah, you did. I did. Um, So, Kamala Harris... I'm not delighted, but I'm not not delighted. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like she's a solid pick strategically. Um, I think that she brings a, a wealth of... Ex- like, she's infinitely qualified for the position. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll talk about that after. Yeah, after. So we have Ethan Ashley, Mr. Ethan Ashley. How are you, sir? Uh-oh. He, I know. I hey. Hey, hey, how y'all. are you? How are you? Hey. You must be H.U. proud right now. <laughs> All the way through. Mm-hmm. All the way through. I'm glad. I mean, proud. I didn't even know if we was going to be able to get you on the phone because, you know, your girl, your, your, your Howard alumna <laughs> sister is now the first black woman to ever be nominated for vice president. And she's an H.U. alum. She just picked the wrong sorority, right. but I'm not going to hold it against <laughs> Listen, her. Don't see. I knew it was going to be She just She just picked the wrong sorority. But you know what? I will proudly wear a crimson and cream T-shirt that says Deltas for Kamala. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm putting it into the atmosphere. One of my sorors You know what? I'm sure somebody's going to make it. I know it. they're going to make it. And, and I know it has to be crimson and cream. Um, let, let, me, let me say that. That's, that's appropriate. That's uh-huh. appropriate. I, I know you appreciate the crimson and cream. Um, oh, you know, I. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining us, Mr. Ashley. A lot is going on right now, huh? In New Orleans. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And uh, so you are the president of the school board. I am the Orleans president Paris, of the Orleans Parish School Board. Proudly. 
Mm-hmm. And you're going into your, uh, you're in your first term at the end of your first term now. That's right. Okay. Um, and so for the, uh, you know, this is, these are treacherous times for us. As a nation, <laughs> and as a city, people are, you know, um, Maria, my co-host, Dr. V, is an educator in Jefferson Parish. Mm-hmm. And um, she's a we're both docs. And she actually lived. When did you go to Howard, Ethan? So I was there in um, in the in the in the early 2000s. So I was there for a little bit because I had the opportunity to both get my undergraduate degree and my law degree. Mm -hmm. Okay. What 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 years were you there? I was there from what is it? Oh, oh five till about. Eleven. Oh, really? So you were an undergraduate in 05? Yep, 05 to 11. Oh, yep, okay. Yep, I was an undergrad in Okay, yeah, my niece went to Howard, but she she's um, older than you. She was there earlier, in the early 2000s. But, um, so, um, so Dr. V was in D.C. at Maryland. That's why I brought that up, University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of stuff that's concerning folk about um, going back to school, schools reopening or not. Yep. And can you clarify, because I'm not, I'm not totally clear what Orleans Parish has landed on in terms of school reopening, in part because we have such a decentralized district. And so while the superintendent may say one thing, I don't, I don't know where that stands in relation to the school board. And I understand that that charter schools can do what they want. In fact, I know uh, people at charter schools who are actually, they're going to be going back into buildings um, soon. So help help explain that for me as the president of the school board, how this kind of three-tiered governance works. (laughs) Yeah, so right now, uh, just to to be clear, uh, the district uh, and with along with our charter school uh, partners have have worked together uh, to make sure that we are virtual in this moment uh, in terms of starting back school. So, th- in terms of kids and, 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 and the way in which we start in school, it's the first time it's ever been done in terms of starting school virtually for young people, and that is where and that is where our district is in this moment. Mm-hmm. So uh, are- now, look, I think you've asked some some complicated questions around. Uh, governance that's not too complicated, but you know the way it works is you know our our schools are authorized uh, by us as the local authorizer. Uh, by and large, uh, we do have certain schools that are authorized by the state, um, but more or less most of the schools in Orleans Parish are authorized by our district, uh, and they they are run by their own uh, charter board, and they have their own governance. Uh, relative to, uh, you know, making decisions uh, on the day-to-day for young people around academics. But but what guidance uh, are you specifically providing uh, to guarantee equity in terms of the virtual schooling? Say say it again? What guidance are you specifically providing the schools under your purview for virtual schooling in terms of guaranteeing equity for the students attending those schools? Yeah, so... Our, our our district uh, set out to uh, when this first uh, when the coronavirus first became uh, very clear that it was going to be a problem for us being able to 
get back in the classrooms and in the, in the way in which we know that we're, we're accustomed to. Uh, our district set out to uh, put together a task force of individuals to really look at how can we educate young people within our current context. And that task force was asked to put together a, a reopening roadmap. Uh, and that roadmap is what, by and large, what we are currently under in this current, in this current uh, circumstance of, of reopening schools. Uh, and the roadmap is very flexible. It allows for, uh, and, and a, it's, it's a guidance mechanism, let's be very clear. Yeah. Uh, and I think to your question around equity, uh, which I think is important, uh, I think it's pivotal in this moment, uh, I think there's a couple things that we're clear about uh, when it comes to ensuring equity uh, when you talk about going virtual. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is technology. But wait, wait, right, wait, wait, sure wait, that- wait, 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 wait. Because so I I mean I just don't want us to use all of our time going over a plan already. Um, so the 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 question that I am really interested in I'm I'm trying to understand. It seems as though there are kind of three tiers though. Right. There's the school board, which you sit the you are the president of the school board, and so then down. there's Henderson Lewis. Mm-hmm. Who I you know who works for the school board, but it's uh, I, I don't know it, it it appears that there there's there's some autonomy that he has. Am I misunderstanding the level? So there's a, there seems to be a decision making well, well, autonomy. Mean, like that he you are, like y'all aren't the boss of Henderson. Autonomy. What what do you mean when you say autonomy? So we hire and fire a superintendent. He's he's evaluated by the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, the board sets his performance metrics annually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then he goes and, and does uh, you know okay. the will of the board by by virtue okay. of his position. Okay, that's clear. Um, so then there are just two tiers. There's the school board, and then there are charter schools that do what they want because what you all laid out were, were guidelines, right? Right. And the charter schools don't have to. They're just guidelines, right? They don't. They're guidelines. They're 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 suggestions, recommendations. Here's what you should do. But they're not mandates. Is that correct? That is correct. And what I would tell you in this moment is, you know, while they're guidelines and they're not mandates, all of our charters in this moment have come together uh, to basically acquiesce to the planning of the district, uh, and that is where we're at currently. And so while you're correct to say charter schools have the autonomy mm-hmm. uh, to make the decision. Mm-hmm. that they want for their students mm-hmm. relative to the way in which our governance system works. Mm-hmm. In this moment, uh, we have school leaders who have come together with, the, with, with our superintendent in the school district uh, to, to do a collective front about well, how we are going to run. Collective is a very strong yeah, word. But collective is uh, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, a bit. little bit of misnomer. Yeah, it's a little misrepresentation of. So, um, but let me just. So, I, you know, I I am fascinated by the governance piece because, as you know, um, New Orleans is unique in the sense that it, it has um, has an elected board that essentially right. doesn't run schools. Mm-hmm. So, you you do employ a superintendent. Who now, and only because of uh, you know a series of unfortunate events, runs still runs Coghill. But you know, I think if, and I presume because Henderson works under under the purview of the board, um, that if he decided he wanted to um, 
you know, hand over Coghill to a charter operator, there would be no schools that were directly run by the school board, which raises the question, and I believe in elected governance, I, you know, as a homeowner and a taxpayer, I am, I am perplexed about what it is that the school board does. And, 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 and I want the school board to operate. I'm concerned as a citizen that well, I think this is important to know that so, the school so I think board doesn't question, right? directly so, run schools, there's though. There are functions that, is, that, are, that most boards do, right? Because in but no what are the functions that y'all do? Uh, is, is a, does a school board actually run any particular school? Well, they should. Thing. Well, they should, though. A school board will hire and fire a superintendent, mm-hmm. manage that superintendent. They will deal with the budget. They will create policy. Well, they don't deal with the – they don't – but they don't – Ethan, they don't deal with the budgets of the individual charter schools, though, right? Because, right? like, y'all have separate, like, the, to my understanding, y'all have separated the work of what a school board does from the actual individual work of what the charter schools do because y'all aren't the boss of the charter schools, Well, right? that depends. If the charter school is in our LEA or if they're not, then we still deal with the budget and budget issues for particular schools. And this is where you get into the nuance of, of, of actual governance, right? And there's other pieces that the, that the board runs at a function that is not just at the school level. So we, we get all federal funds, Title I stuff, uh, that we deal with just for, not just for uh, public schools, but also private schools. And we have to deal with that type of, you know, funding and, and allocations. And all the funding runs through the district. And then it, it then gets reallocated uh, to different school sites. Uh, but that's not the only thing relative to the budget that we deal with. But, uh, but so, think- for instance, when, uh, and I use this example a lot, um, it seemed to be ceremonial. Even the guidelines seem, seem ceremonial, um, but that's a separate issue. But when, the, when OPSB adopted the um, $15 minimum, yep. um, in some ways it, it was meaningful for um, for people who worked for OPSB who earned minimum wage, below minimum wage, and they were going to be brought up to $15. No doubt. Um, but, for, but for school, it sure, certainly is a big deal, except that it costs, you know, some projections, some economists argue that it, it, you have to earn about 16 just to, you know, take care of basics. But, you know, we'll go with 15. Hopefully we can raise it. Um, I, I agree. As that, the first governmental agency to do it in New Orleans, I think it's definitely. A I mean, yeah, you know, it's like, but you won't kick me anymore. You'll just be mad at me. Like, okay, I'll take it. I'd like you not. I'd like to not be subject to any of it. But okay, but but um, but individual charter schools mm-hmm. were not held to that mandate um, because uh, for various reasons. So so OPSB adopting the fifteen dollar an hour thing was great for people who worked for OPSB. But right, they but it, it was meaningless. S or W four or the W two. It was meaningless for custodial staff or cafeteria staff at individual charter schools because they didn't that mandate didn't extend to charter schools. So um, if charter schools uh, I, I contract think, I think with that's all the, the idea SEIU, of right? Is what? I, mean, I think when you see a district start to uh, say that we're very clear on putting families and young people first relative to equity and making sure that we're paying a livable wage, although I think the projections 
are, 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 are we need to get to a higher number just across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, when you when you do that, I think you start to see a, a clear uh, sign that what the district is is saying is is acceptable. Well, uh, but it's not happening. I mean, just okay, but but I mean, that's the point about the the bifurcation of the of the governance, right? That Orleans Parish still operates as an elected body, except that it has no direct oversight. Mm-hmm. Over, and no ability to enforce. And no ability to enforce, and that's the important piece. So so you have guidelines that, in essence, it, it, and from what I understand, I mean, I, I, I looked at Act 91, I think there's an enforcement piece that heretofore the board, as it's currently configured, and the superintendent has not been willing to enforce. That's what it appears to me. I don't know. I'm asking, is there an enforcement mechanism or is there not an enforcement mechanism? And that's something that we need. You know, so as a, again, as a taxpayer, as a homeowner, as an educator, um, as an educator, um, it concerns me that there are so many districts that essentially can do what they want and yet we have an elected board and we're in the midst of an election season and I'm like I, I believe in the public infrastructure I believe in it um, I believe that we should have elected people who speak for um, I actually don't like the representative governance but that's what we have right now um, but you know I, I think people should, should that we have people that we elect who should you know make decisions um, and I don't see where that's kind of happening here in a system that's balkanized like um, like Orleans Parish, and I'm just wondering: is it a matter of will? And you sit as the president, so is it is is there something in the the legislation that has prevented you all from enforcing I mean, things, or is it a decision that the board has just decided? You know, we'll we'll let charters do what they want. I'm again, I'm on the outside looking in. I'm yeah, because this understand. has got to be super frustrating for y'all because y'all become accountable for all these different charter schools and their mismanagement, say of the coronavirus. Right. Because I'm sure parents aren't thinking, oh, I need to contact the charter school body. I need to figure out what CEO I need to reach out to. I'm right. sure they're reaching they out really to their school board. That. They don't right. understand that. They're process. reaching out to their school board, right. like the people that they elected. Yeah. So, what say you? Yeah, I think I think it's all about understanding our our, our system, right? And because there's mechanisms that are in place that allows for us to hold schools accountable mm. uh, based off of our accountability system. Like what? And what our is accountability it? system is very clear to put in place. When our boards are not doing what they need to do, uh, and we've seen schools uh, be ultimately taken over by the district, ran by the district because of these violations. Which one? There's Uh, only one right now. I think that that is a very clear truth about our system. But what one, Uh, though? I think that there's also... But we're not going to now wait. Wait, wait, you're not just going to say stuff and keep going. There's only one school so far, right? And that was Coghill. Right. And for a very, very short time... Something was going on with Harney. But for the most part, um, schools have been, have kind of, you know, doing what they want to do. Like there's. Well, I think that's largely because when our schools are found in a place of violating one of our policies or where we stand, mm. they're put in corrective action. And our district, and our district staff, uh, works extremely hard to make sure that those schools don't stay in those corrective action. 
places, and I think our schools, uh, the charter schools that are in place, uh, have been partnering with the district to make sure uh, that they are not kept in those corrective action places and, and those plans are put in place and they are moving out of those corrective action uh, uh, designations. Now, I think if you're clear about our accountability system and we're you not, understand how that we're, works. Yeah, we're not clear. Clear. I don't think any – I think it's opaque for most rank-and-file people. Um, and that would be the average citizen. And, you know, and I don't have children in schools, but I'm deeply concerned about schools because I live in this community. There are children who live yeah, in my neighborhood. And I do. Um, I do. I'm very clear. My kids go to public school. I'm very clear about the system. Do they go to public and, school and or to a charter school? They go to public school. They go to public charter schools, which, which our system is public charter, which is designated at the state level, which determines whether or not a school is public, private. I know you know that. And so what, I, what I'll say in this moment is is I think, you know, the way in which, and what I'm clear about, right, is that schools, by and large, being able to f- make sure that there are schools that meet the, the actual needs of community is, is where I think we will, he- where we continue need to, to where, we, where we will need to continue to head towards, right, and being able to, to innovate, do what? Say that part uh, again. create Say choice part. schools that will ultimately uh, offer families uh, different choices uh, that I think will ultimately, you know, allow for them to to educate the young person that's in front of them uh, through parental choice, right? I think it's clear to say. So I you're a choice. You're all about. You're all for choice. Um, and even though, I mean, the choices are really limited, right? I mean, the choice is you get to rank order eight, and then your kid will be assigned to a school. So in some ways, it's not really choice; it's assignment, right? I mean, the, I the choice is that you choose eight. So I, I think here's, here's the truth. There's not enough choice, right? And I, I'm never going to argue yeah, that we have enough choice. I'm not going to do that. Okay. I mean, I think as a parent, we and, I'm, I'm, and our friends would say this, we need more choice. I'm fighting for more choice. Okay. Uh, I think we've increased so we, the we disagree there. We disagree. We disagree on the choice piece. But um, we are going to take a short break. You can sit and sit and join us um, if you'd like. I know we said we'd be done at seven thirty, but you're welcome to stay on if you'd like. Um, but we're going to take a short break. This is WBOK twelve thirty AM. I am Dr. Adrian. I'm Dr. Maria. We are No Lead Education for Liberation. We'll be right back. Keep your stride Sing your favorite song We'll keep going, going on Take it from me Someday we'll all be free
to the sky Sing your favorite song We'll keep going on and on Yeah, take it from me Someday we'll all Education for Liberation has a brand new time. Join me, Dr. Adrian, and Dr. Maria every Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Same substance, same impact, just a new time. So join the conversation on Education for Liberation every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Speaking truth. I'm the truth. Power. WBOK. 1230 AM. What New Orleans is talking about. About. Speaking truth. I'm the truth. Power. WBOK. 1230 AM. What New Orleans is talking about. About. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're back. It is WBOK. 1230 a.m. I'm, I'm Dr. Dr. Maria. And I'm Dr. Adrian. <laughs> I'm really struggling today. This is Wednesday, August 12th. Uh, it's 7.35 p.m. on a Wednesday. Going up on a Wednesday. So this is our election season. Season. Why are you edition? Because I can't think of the word. You know what? Hello. Welcome to local media. We care a lot about yeah. your vote and your in your faces. And uh, your children's education and their safety and future. They are. And you know what? I want to apologize to Ethan because we could not get through our interview. Mm-hmm. Um, we just didn't allot enough time. Yeah. And so we had to rush him through and have him talk over music. And um, so we'll try to invite him back. We'll see if we can make that happen. Um, but we are happy to have um, the beautiful, the wonderful Dr. Chanel Payne joining us today. To talk about her candidacy, Dr. Payne. Hey, Dr. Dixon, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am good. I am good. I am really good. You're really good. Well, thank you for being so patient. Um, You know, it was just we went just a little too long, but that's all right. You know, I'm not good with time. I'm African in that way. (laughs) I just don't. Time is a construct that I just don't um, subscribe to. Why is it linear? Why is it linear? I'm here. Well, I'm glad you're here. And you are a candidate for which district? I am a candidate for Orleans Parish School Board District Two. District Two. What is District Two? We didn't even get to ask Ethan any of that. District Two is uh, the the Upper Ninth Ward. Some of Gentilly. And some of New Orleans East. Okay. All right. Now, are you, uh, you are a lifelong New Orleanian? Yes. Okay. What do you do now currently? Uh, currently, I'm running my business, CMP Educational Consulting Services. Mm. And through CMP, I offer K through 12 tutoring services and professional development workshops for educators. Okay. And you went to Texas Southern. 
Yes, I did. The uh, Texas Southern the University Texas in Southern. Third Ward, Houston. I hear you. Um, and undergrad at, at SUNO. That's yes, awesome. undergrad at SUNO. Okay. I uh, I got my bachelor's degree from SUNO, and I also received my alternative certification from SUNO. Okay. So did you teach? Did you teach here in New Orleans, or? I did. I um, I started my teaching career here in New Orleans at Gardet. Oh wow! Uh, and then I and That's then I moved over to Louis Armstrong, nice. the historical Louis Armstrong Elementary School in the Lower Ninth Ward. Okay. Now, what what grade? You were a lower elementary teacher, or yes, I taught. Well, I taught some upper grades as well. I taught third grade all the way up to ninth grade science at an alternative school. Oh, awesome! Okay. So tell us why you are um, running for school board. So we were trying to build to a longer discussion with Ethan, and I'm going to reach out to see if we can revisit about the governance piece. Because, again, as an as a, you know, as just someone who's here, I don't necessarily know um, intimately because I don't have children in the district. I'm just an observer um, Um. of the different layers. Well, maybe you can have us both on together. Yeah. That would be, you know, that would be nice. It's a, I think it might be a little bit, maybe, against the law. It, is it? I don't, I don't know. No, anymore. it's not against the law. It's just equal time. Oh, equal time, yes. but they can be this. But it has to be equal time of them together. Equal time. Okay. Access. So, anyways, we were trying to get a sense of why you're running, and for me as an outsider, it's the the governance piece and the and the issue of choice, right? So do parents mm-hmm. really have choice? Um, and what is the role of the school board given that charter schools are autonomous and the school board, um, you know, functions in a governing fashion, in a governance fashion? How do you understand that and what, and what do you hope to be able to do if you prevail you know, it's very, it's really difficult to, to understand. We have a board, we have a superintendent that don't direct, they, they do not directly run schools, but they are in place. But they're what? Uh, but they are in place, but mm. they don't directly run schools. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about choice, I think that it is exactly what you said. It's, um, you're able to have eight choices, but you don't actually have choice. Mm-hmm. Um, choice is we're going to have some. Cho- we might have some charter schools. We're going to have some t- traditional schools. Parents who opt to have homeschooling have that option. If you want to send your children to private school, you have that option, but not with public school money. Mm-hmm. Um, if if your child is technology savvy and you choose to uh, have your child in a charter or a public school. Um, and, and choose virtual learning, they can have that option. So choice is a variety. And right now we don't have a variety. Mm-hmm. We have the same schools that were successful before Katrina, maybe a few more operating successfully now. And mm-hmm. the rest of our choices are C, D, and F schools across New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I decided to run because times like this, uncertain times, call for strong and competent leadership. I believe that my diverse background and my connection to the educators in the city, the students, the parents, and communities 
will enable me to work closely, effectively, and collaboratively with every stakeholder in District 2 in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Additionally, Dr. Dixon, I am a product of District 2. Mm. I attended Ray Abrams, well, which is that. currently a KIPP school. Mm -hmm. McDonald 40, that was later renamed Barbara Jordan. Yep. Livingston mm -hmm. and Marion Abramson Senior High School, the New Orleans East High School, the first high school in New Orleans East. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned before, I got my undergraduate degree from Southern University that also sits in Train Park, which yeah, is a part of District 2. Mm -hmm. So I feel like being a product of District 2, growing up and being educated in District 2, provides me with a greater understanding of the impact that our schools have on our community. Let me but let me ask you something, Chanel, and this is a this is a a um a statement. One of the school board members, um, because schools because families um don't necessarily send their children to the schools in the neighborhood in which they live, right? So you represent District Two. Students who attend school in District 2 may not live in District 2. So exactly. what is your is your constituency, the residents of District 2? or And I can't remember what school board member this was, but um, said essentially, you know, he represents the city because his, the kids who go to school in his district don't necessarily live there. And the people who live in his district don't necessarily send their kids to that to schools in that in in his district. I don't remember which one, but it was a guy. Um, mm -hmm. So who do you see as your constituency and how do you serve them in this particular context of this kind of choice and movement of kids around the city? So. I see my services to all students, all parents, all educators in the city. As a District 2 representative, um, it, it is difficult to say that you serve District 2 students, District 2 educators, District 2, um, District 2 parents, because our children are not uh, attending schools in the districts in which they live, which, in my opinion, is a part of the, some of the problems that we have inside and outside of our schools. Mm. When our children don't attend schools in their district, we have a lack of parental involvement. Mm -hmm. When our children don't attend schools in their district, we have a high level of absenteeism. When our children don't attend schools in their district, we have exaggerated discipline problems. And I say that because um, I, I've, I've worked in schools in New Orleans, in, in neighborhood schools, where, um, you know, brothers and sisters have gone to that school. Mm -hmm. Even sometimes parents have gone to those schools. So for me as a teacher to say, I taught your brother or your mm -hmm. sister last year. Or for me as a teacher to say, I know your mom. We went to school together. I think that it, it, it brings a totally different aspect to, uh, to to the culture and climate of school. Mm -hmm. so, so I am I, I am not by any means uh, anti charter school. I'm not anti-traditional school because traditional schools are the schools that made me. Mm -hmm. But what I am is pro what works for children. Mm -hmm. So if it's working for children and we can prove that it's working for children, let's continue to do it. But I do think that we need to go back to schools that operate in communities so that children can go to the schools in the neighborhoods that they live in. So it sounds like one of the things you would push for as a school board member would be restructuring the choice system? 
Yes. I don't think we have a choice system. Well, that was just some bold words. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Okay. I mean, in, in, in talking to you all and in talking to anyone else, I'm going to be honest. No, please do. I I'm actually, I'm just surprised by your, no, no, nah, nah, I'm just more surprised because I think that you're one of the first people that we've interviewed who've stated that so clearly and so frankly. Yeah. So can you say a little bit more about what you mean by <laughs> the choice system being kind of a myth? Um, I, as an educator and working mm-hmm. in public schools in New Orleans, it's discouraging to me. Um, to watch students catch school buses from New Orleans East to Uptown to go to school. Um, They're passing up a number of schools to go to schools that are not, that are are CD and F schools. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that um, it puts us all at a disadvantage when we don't embrace our community schools. I think that uh, we're making, we made a grand mistake when we allowed our children to be bused across the city. I think that if um, if we can go back to community schools and allowing uh, parents, children in our communities to have ownerships in our schools, then we can improve some of the things that hinder our city as a whole, like crime, mm. homelessness, unemployment, um miseducation or the lack of proper education. It seems like it also might address some of the issues that come with having schools that are highly invested in in certain parts of the city and schools that are, you know, CDNF and there's they have a historical reputation of being CDF schools. Um, yes. Because it seems like one of the ways that the choice system, at least in, in my observation, as somebody from the outside, because again, I don't have a kid in Orleans Parish and I also live and work in Jefferson Parish. But to me, it looks a lot like the schools that are A schools have been schools that people have been kind of pushed to invest in, both in terms of the types of students who are encouraged and kind of allowed to go there. Um, Mm -hmm. And that means that those local schools that are kind of stuck being CDF school, they're having almost a brain drain where Mm -hmm. students that wouldn't be CDF students are getting pulled to improve the stats and the numbers of these C, of these A B level schools, and and that's exactly what's happening. Also, you know, I try to make it a point to not judge a school by the uh, letter grade or STS score. Uh, when I was a professor at Southern University, I took a group of students around to uh, several different schools around the city, some uh, A and B schools, some D and F C D and F schools. And I'll tell you all that I saw more work at those C, D, and F schools than I did at those at some of those A and B schools. Mm-hmm. I, I saw teachers that. working hard. I saw students working hard. So I try not to judge schools by uh, letter grades or by SPS scores. Um, and, and I think that we should really try and get away from that because when we do that, not only do we put a label on students, we put a label on our educators, we put a label on our schools, and we um, we kind of make people weary of sending those sending their children to those schools. Right, because if I'm a parent, why would I ever want to send my most precious, precious loved one to an F school? Right. But, and, and you know, I mean, the grading system of schools often doesn't reflect the 
the what children know um, and what teachers are able to do for them. But here's where I get confused. Mm. Okay. Then I, I mean, I'm sincerely confused. Our first person that we were interviewing earlier uh, made the comment of, and I know you know this during the interview, and you should be very aware. There's a lot I don't know about charter schools. <laughs> I have never worked in one. Um, I think my niece goes to one now, but she's confused. I'm confused. I don't know. So my question is, if the schools that were CDEF schools, and I know that that's problematic language, but just using it for right now, if they've been CDF schools for 30 years, and but now they're run by a charter school, what's the benefit of them being a charter school versus a public school? Because it's not like they've gotten better. Mm-hmm. So it just go ahead. Um, go ahead, Chanel. And you're exactly right. It's not like they've gotten better. Uh, and I, I, I think that in order for them to get better, that they have to have a, a, some real support. They have to have some real support, and that support has to come from the district level. Um, you know, we all have our expertise in education. We have uh, a lot of us have doctorate degrees, which makes us ex- experts in our field. So if we have experts in our fields and in our schools, then those experts need to be in the schools that are struggling, supporting those schools. And I don't mean supporting them for one year. I mean mm. supporting them for at least a minimum of three years. Mm-hmm. Like the old professional development models. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and just like we we talk to teachers about the gradual release model. Mm-hmm. So after three years of supporting the school, and when I say supporting the school, I don't mean going to a school and clean house and fire teachers and fire leadership. I mean, you go in and you give that school some support, mm-hmm. academic support, uh, support on building a positive culture and climate. And after those three years, you release that support, but you still lend support to that school because they're still going to need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the, the job of NOLA Public Schools is to go in and to support schools, uh, to give them a solid foundation, uh, give them some stability so they can move forward, and then release them. But we, at, uh, NOLA Public Schools and OPSB have to be in the business of supporting schools. Mm. Yeah, that's not really clear how that operates. Now, that's what I was trying to get at in our previous conversation. That's a a mission question. To try to understand what does the governance look like in a system like New Orleans where you have the school board that, you know, is not operating like a traditional school board anymore. And, and, you know... uh, I guess the concern and the frustration for me as an as an observer is because this is untested this this particular model of an education is untested and untried um, and, and I made I asked this question um, of the city council what is the tolerance for risk for people's lives you know um, this kind of uh, laissez-faire model if you will or pseudo laissez-faire model of governance where the school district, the elected board will do some things and then we'll leave other things over to charter schools. Just see what happens. And see what happens. And if they don't work out, then we'll just bring in another operator. I don't. I mean, I mean, real talk. I don't see this happening in a school that had in a in a public school system that had a larger percentage of white students. Well, and, and I we think know, that there's yeah. some solid ethical considerations right. sure. of taking marginalized yeah. people. It definitely wouldn't happen. 
at you know where we have i mean we have a couple of models of schools that have you know they all, they're not a b and c schools but to your point dr Payne, is that the the grading piece shouldn't really matter but for a school like a lusher or audubon or even lycee francais that had its own issues they weren't given over to another charter operate a charter management group or another charter operator didn't come in and take over those schools they were able they were able to work out whatever issues they had even though we don't know what issues lushers had but dr i guess a lot of us are confused yeah uh especially when it comes down to governance and uh how school how is determined if a school uh charter is uh handed over to someone else or if the school is closed because I know as it relates to Cod Hill, there are other schools um, whose STS scores are lower. Mm. Um, and Dr. Dixon, I am by I am um, by no means suggesting that any schools should be closed. Right. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of the closing schools charter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I think that it brings on a whole nother level of instability and confusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's um, uh, we, we are getting close on time. And it's for educators as well. Mm -hmm. We are getting close on time, but I did have one last question. How would you bring um, students, children, young people into this conversation about local versus um, decentralized, Mm -hmm. I guess, decentralized schools? Um, How would you bring in their input and how would you, what weight would you give their input? I think think the student's input is actually the the most valuable. Mm. Uh, so as a school board member, as District 2 school board member, which means I will represent students from uh, across the city, I will formulate a, um, a committee of students and students only um, to have those discussions about local local schools versus decentralized schools. Um, I think that it's really important that we put our students first, that we that we value their concerns as it relates to uh, the the policies and practices that that, that are taking place um, within our schools. I think that um, they should have some input on how our schools operate. They should have some input on uh, the the level of or uh, the uh, the um, the appearance of choice. Um, I think that specifically for our black and brown children, it's important that they feel like their opinions and their beliefs are valued in, uh, within our school system. And uh, I, want to, I, I want to be that school board member to ensure that they know that I am advocating for them, I am a strong representative for them, and that it's their, it's their schools, they own their schools, and that their concerns are being addressed in our schools. Mm-hmm. Well, we thank you for joining us. We got a late start today, um, but thank you for waiting and for um, sharing your thoughts with us. We may, if uh, we may have you back on later. It's really early in the election season. I know, right? Uh, it's yeah, only yeah. August, and we got this is a, a it, it's a it's a. Eight hundred, not a uh, not a sprint, and it's not a uh, marathon, but it's eight hundred. Yeah. So who knows what um, what information you might want to stay, share with your constituents about, like the coronavirus or reopening schools or how you would handle that plan better. So yeah. But yeah. thank you for joining us, Dr. Payne. Thank you so much, Dr. Yep. Dixon, Dr. Maria. 
Enjoy the rest of your week. I will. All right. Take care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Wow, this is just a weird energy today. I think. Uh, but anyway, we're we're here. We got to talk to two people. We had a good conversation. I yeah. wish we were able to talk to uh, Ethan a little longer, but you know, I think it we is talked. What it, is. it is what it is, and I hope he does come back on. Like I you do said. too. Um, I think it's rad though that people are taking that question about student input very seriously. I think so too. This is WBOK twelve thirty AM. I am Dr. Adrian. I'm Dr. Maria. Look at you, all <laughs> sexy. All right, I see you. We are NOLA Ed Education for Liberation. We will be back next week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jazz. Thank you, Jazz. of the trombone, New Orleans tickets drop a down beat heavy on the one pump tap this shit, I make it sound go plumbed up, and then some hashtag trimmy folk shit, now you get the feeling, now you feeling the funk down south with a brass, I blow your up along your face off I'm blowing so hard, I pop the brace off like the New Orleans, second last city home of the brass bands with a big chief priest